Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you're having a great day. Today, we're going to talk about something that is so common that I'm almost positive that most of you have had children who experienced this at one time or another, or maybe you have. And that is the fear of bad guys. That is a rudimentary, common, common fear, not only for kids who have issues with anxiety or OCD, but for people in general, it's a common anxiety theme, whether you have an anxiety disorder or not. But those of us that have anxiety disorders, more often than not, will have this theme pop up at least once in our life because the fear of bad guys is just so, so common. So today I'm going to go into the myths. I want to start off with the myths because these are the things that people believe, but they're inaccurate. And when you believe these things, it doesn't help because it makes you do things that aren't going to help the issue. I'm going to then move into things that you should avoid, things that you don't really need to be doing because they're not going to help your child. And then we're going to lastly talk about things to do. So before we get started, I do want to tell you about something that is going on right now so that you do not miss it because there's a lot happening this week in the AT Parenting Survival world. So for starters, I have a webinar that is starting tomorrow. If you listen to this in real time and not five years from now, I have a webinar that's starting on September 11th, 2019, just for those of you that are in a completely different year and just started listening to me. Well, thank you, but you're in the past and it is going to be on the five things that parents do to help their kids with sleep fears that do not work. So it's how to avoid some of these pitfalls because this is common things that I see in my practice time and time again. I've been doing therapy for almost two decades now, which is kind of scary to think about. So I think next year will be 20 years. I know I'm old. And when you sit there and you listen to parents for so long, you see a lot of patterns of what are some common mistakes and common thoughts and common behaviors that parents make that seem intuitive parentally that actually wind up not helping and can, can make things worse for kids. So in this webinar, I go over the five most common things that I see that parents should avoid doing. And they're things that maybe you don't even think about. I think at least one of them will surprise you. So if you want to register for the on-demand webinar, I will leave a link in the show notes and you can check that out also on my website. If you just want some convenience, you can just text me at 44222 and just type in all one word sleep webinar, and I will send you the link to enroll. You can watch it at your convenience. It's 30 minutes long. So when you enroll, just be ready to watch it. And that way you can watch it when you have some quiet time. You don't have to worry about that. It will be available just for a few days. And so catch that before I bring it down so that you can figure out what those things are to avoid. Also, if you never got my free PDF on 15 of the most common reasons why kids are scared to sleep, you should grab that because that is going to go away soon too, because these were all building up to my online class which is going to be open on Wednesday, tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this on September 11th. So you can get the free PDF on my website. I'll leave a link in the show notes, or you can also text me at 44222 
And for that one, just text sleep fears, sleep fears, one word, and I will send you a link to get the PDF. So if you're excited about my online class, this is the last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on to the bad guys. But if you're excited about my online class, it opens, like I said, tomorrow. And if you're not on my wait list, that could be a huge mistake. If you're even remotely interested in taking my sleep class. So my sleep class is a two and a half hour class. It's on demand. It's video sessions and you can take it for as long as you want. It's at your own pace and you have lifetime access to it. And what I've been doing lately is I've been making videos to teach parents. And then in the same lesson, I do a video to teach your kids. And so there's worksheets and there's videos for your kids. So it's very interactive and I teach you the things that I'm trying to help you with. But then I also convey that, that lesson to your child directly to kind of save you time and lay the foundation so that you can hit the the ground running on that. So if you're interested in that class, definitely get on my wait list because the wait list will be getting more percentage off. I normally give a discount when I open it for a few days, um, when it's a brand new class. So I am going to open it up and give people 40% off the class the first few days that it's going live. And so that's 40% off of $87. And for those that are on my wait list, they get an extra 10% off. And so they will get 50% off. People in my AT parenting community will get 75% off when it opens up. And those on my wait list will also get a very cool bonus. I don't know why I'm doing this this year, but, um, I don't know. I'm just being generous. I created an archived library of all my video classes that I have done in the AT parenting community. So we have done 30 classes. That's 20 hours of topics on how to parent a child with anxiety or OCD. We cover very broad topics. And so I speak a lot about anxiety and OCD in every class that I'm doing. And that's in my online school at teachable.com. And so that will be available for anybody who wants to buy it. Cause I know some people don't want to join my membership, but they would love to have access to those classes. Now the membership has tons of other perks. That's just one of them. But I know people sometimes, you know, they just don't want to be in a, in a membership. So the library is going to go on sale for $197. And that's 30 hours of basically what I teach in therapy. And so that would, if you quantify that, that would be like $3,000 worth of therapy. It's not therapy because we're not having a conversation and I'm not your therapist, but really I have a very skill-based teaching aspect of my therapy and that's my style. And that's pretty much everything I teach in therapy is are in those classes. So you can get access to that and watch it at your leisure. Cause you know, that's a lot, it's a big catalog of classes. So the people on my wait list will get that for free they will get that completely for free and they'll get 50% off my sleep class, but only for, I think it's going to be only for 48 hours. So a very small window of time. And then once that window shuts, that library is not going to be available anymore. People can just purchase it on teachable.com. So if you're not on my wait list and you're like, oh shoot, I'm not on there. How do I get on there? Cause I do want all this stuff. And honestly, frankly, if you don't even want the sleep class, but you want that library, that library is $197. So even just paying 50% off the $87 and getting just the bonus still makes economic sense, actually. So let me give you the link to the waitlist. 
I can't text you this one, so you're just going to have to listen to the link that I'm giving you, but it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash sleep waitlist, all one word. And I'll just say that again really quick. It's www.bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash sleep waitlist. Get on now, get on today because it will be too late tomorrow because tomorrow the class goes live. So sorry for the short notice. I just decided that I was going to do that bonus and I don't know how to keep secrets. And so (laughs) I email my list about it and now I'm telling you, I just don't know how to build suspense. So, oh, well, that's part of my issue. All right, let's talk about bad guys. So for starters, let's go into the myths. A lot of times when I'm talking to parents about bad guys, they will be stumped. They'll say, Natasha, nothing bad has ever happened to him. I don't know why he's like paralyzed with fear wherever we go. Like he can't, a lot of times this impacts sleep. I would have to, I would have to say that mainly you're going to see it show up at sleep, but there are kids where it's not only sleep. They're afraid to go in rooms by themselves. They're afraid to go upstairs. If you're downstairs, they're afraid to maybe take the trash out or go out in the backyard. Like it could get pretty bad. So there's a spectrum of severity with the fear of bad guys. The other myth that I hear is they are manipulating us. So a lot of times parents will say to me, you know, I just think he's manipulating us. Or I'll hear, you know, she's just trying to stall. She just doesn't want to go to sleep. So she just keeps coming out saying that she's scared, but I don't think she is. And another one that I hear is they just need to grow up. You know, they're acting like a big baby. I don't know what they're afraid of. Nothing bad has ever happened to them. So those are some of the myths that I see. Uh, They see it as opposition. They see it as poor behavior. They, they're like, nothing bad has ever happened to them. So I have no idea why they'd be afraid. So therefore their fear is not valid. And I discount it completely. And I just think they're manipulating me. I don't normally see that. It's very rare that I see a child manipulate in a very specific type of fear where they're afraid of bad guys. So I would, I would doubt that if I had a child that kept coming out and saying that they're worried Um, that they heard a noise. What was that? Are you still sitting there? Are you going to be there? Are you going to check on me? You know, that's anxiety. That's fear. So let's talk about some of the things to avoid. The first one is to avoid the causal relationship of you being the safety person. So when we say, I'm right here, I'll keep you safe, or I'm right here, you're safe. I know that that this is semantics and splitting hairs, but really that conveys to the child that there's something to protect them from. So instead, I think it's really good. And I guess I'll just sprinkle in the things to do um, as we're talking about the things to not do. But I think it's important to, to watch our wording when it comes to things like that. And I do talk about that in one of the points that I make in the webinar. So this is a little sneak peek to the webinar because I do go into that in the webinar about watching our wording. And, you know, when we say, we'll check on you, we'll keep checking on you. We're, we're really developing a feel that there is something to protect them from. It is better to say we are all safe in this house and I am safe. You are safe. You know, your cat's safe. We are all safe in this house. No one needs protecting. I don't need to protect you. You don't need to protect me. We're just all safe. If I'm near you, if I'm not near you in the house, we are all still safe. It doesn't, you're not safer because I'm next to you because we are all safe. So that's something that you really want to convey to your child. So let's, let's just jump into the things to do. One thing that I find 
most people don't do, that would be very helpful. And it's the first thing that I do in my therapy practice when I am dealing with a child who has a fear of bad guys. And that is to sit patiently and quietly and say to them, tell me, tell me what your anxiety tells you. So this is where personification can really help because we don't personify things as best we can. And I get a little resistance about the personifying of anxiety and OCD from some people. Some people are totally on board and other people just, they don't feel it, but it does help. And it helps on so many levels because sometimes if I say to a child, what are you afraid of at night? They don't hear it like that. What they hear is you're a big baby and what could possibly scare you at night because you're fine. Now, I know that's not your intention and you're not saying that, but that's what kids hear a lot. And so a lot of times if they have a lot of pride or if they're not really open with their feelings, they will say nothing. I'm fine. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just scared. I just don't feel comfortable or I'm bored or I just can't go to sleep or, you know, I just, I'm not tired. They'll come up with these general, what I call throwaway answers when you ask them what they're afraid of. Now, there are kids, obviously, who are not afraid at night, and so they might say those things, and that might be actually accurate, but they're not coming out multiple times saying, what was that? Are you there? Are you going to stay near me? I thought I saw something in my, in my room. Can you sit closer? They're not going to say all those things that kids who are, who are fearful at night will say. So that's, that's a difference. And then you ask your, your child, you know, if you have a name for it, and this definitely helps. You could say something like, what does your worry cloud tell you? I know that you're fine, but when you go to sleep at night, what does your worry cloud start to say to you when you're laying there and you're thinking sometimes our worry cloud will, will tell us things that even though we may know that, you know, it, it can't happen or it's not real, we still get nervous because our worry cloud tells us so what, what is that for you? So we want to normalize it. And this is my approach for anything related to anxiety or OCD. I always like validate it first. I always normalize it and I always personify it or separate it from them. So even if people don't want to name it, I'll still kind of personify it. Cause I'll say, what does your anxiety say? You know, you lay there and you're ready to go to sleep and you're done and you're, you're good. But then your anxiety starts to talk to you. What does your anxiety say? So you can still personify it without necessarily having a name for it. Um, it doesn't matter. We just want to personify it. And then we want to find out what is specifically being told to our child. What are the kind of thoughts they're having about bad guys so that we can help them? Kids are highly creative and they take that creativity and they can grow some pretty detailed stories about how a bad guy is going to come in. So I don't even stop at the core fear being the bad guy. I dig even deep deeper because there's a story, there's a narrative that they're believing every single night. And if, if you have the time and the child starts to wind up being more and more open, you will find out those nitty gritty details of what their fear is telling them. So I'll give you some examples. I have had people who will say, you know, I'm worried that a bad guy is going to come in through the big living room window because we don't have any curtains. And I think they're going to break the window and they're going to stab my family. And then they're going to come and stab me. Very, very graphic, very disturbing and very detailed. I have had other kids who would say they're going to cut out a hole in my bedroom and they're going to, or I've had one kid who said they're going to come through the chimney and they're going to land in my bedroom. 
And my son, he would say they're going to take a ladder or a plunger and they're going to plunge up the scale of the wall of our outside wall and break my window and then come in and cut my throat. Very specific. So a lot of those are very fantasy based, right? I mean, nobody can take a plunger and climb up the wall and really no one's going to bring a huge ladder and make a big scene in the neighborhood. So the first step is figuring out the very, very specific details of what your child thinks will happen with the bad guy. Sometimes I get a lot of resistance in this when I'm talking to a kid in my practice and I'll say, you know, what are you, what are you afraid of? You know, or what's, what's the scariest part about going to bed? And sometimes then they'll say, well, I'm worried about bad guys. And then I'll, a lot of times they don't say bad guys. They'll say stuff that's a little bit more ambiguous. They'll say things like, well, I'm worried someone might break in or I'm worried someone might be in here. I'm worried someone's in my closet. So you get a lot of different answers that come down to worrying about bad guys. And then I'll say, if somebody's in your closet, what, what does your worry tell you will happen to you? And so now I want specifics. Some parents are nervous to do this because they think talking about it's going to make it worse. Not like your child doesn't think about it every single minute they're going to sleep anyway. <laughs> so that logic doesn't make any sense. But People feel like, I don't want to explore it because I don't want to grow it in their brain. It's already there. The more we talk about it and the more we process it and the more we bring it out into the open and into the daylight, the better it gets. And so a lot of people with all sorts of different anxiety and OCD themes skirt around it, walk on eggshells, avoid the topic. And their child winds up having those issues for a very long time because you have to walk through it, not around it. And the same thing with our own thoughts and fears. We have to walk through them, not around them. So we want to explore what their, their worry is telling them. So if, if someone's in your closet, what does your worry say will happen to you? And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to say, let's just go back to a little bit about how they got into your closet. What does your worry say about how they got in your closet or how they got to your window or how they got in, into your house, right? So now we're getting into the very, very nitty gritty details of their fears. Every kid has one. And if they're saying they don't, they're just not comfortable telling you because anxiety doesn't just say up oh, and there could be a bad guy. No anxiety. And if you have anxiety, you're going to get this loves the details. The fear is in the details. And so it plays out like a movie in your head over and over again. I know this because I was a kid who had tons of anxiety and I was terrified of bad guys and I had very detailed thoughts about how it can happen, where it can happen, when it can happen, all sorts of things. So I'm focusing predominantly today just on sleep because it's a lot to cover in and of itself. And actually I don't have a lot of time to record this. <laughs> if truth be told, I only have a few minutes because I have to go pick up my daughter from high school and I did not my time management is totally off today, but I want to get through this and give you some tips on how to help your kids. So first sit with them and explore why I don't use the word why ever, but that's what we're trying to do. We're figuring out what the origin is. What's the story like? And then we want to like a science experiment. We want to disprove it. And so we want to walk through that with our child. And we want to say, and this is what I did with my son a long time ago, like years and years ago, when he had fears about someone breaking into his second floor window, we did this. And I've talked about it before. So maybe you've already heard the story, but it took him a while to tell me what exactly his fears were. You know, that he was worried that someone's going to break 
the window in his second floor bedroom. We have very high windows and a very high second floor. And so even a ladder would not be able to reach his window. And we went into detail. We said, let's just talk about the practicalities of that. We lock all the doors. So this is something you start with your child and you know, it has to be facts. So it will be different for you than it is for me. It's going to be different for every family as far as the level of safety and precautions that people have in their house. So I went with him and I said, we lock all the doors. We lock all the windows. I always check before I go to sleep. So I know this house is on lockdown. We are safe, right? If you have an alarm, you mentioned that that's super helpful, right? We have an alarm. We set the alarm. We have an alarm sign outside our door. That's a deterrent because bad guys, when they see an alarm sticker outside their, the front door or the lawn or on the windows, they don't want to bother with you because they're not trying to get caught, right? So we are all safe in this house because we have these things in place. Um, and then I went to kind of attack his distorted beliefs. And so we took a plunger to the wall and I showed him it couldn't stick. We took a ladder. We actually, my husband got out the ladder and showed him that the ladder is too short and it, there's no way it can reach his window. And that really helped because he's a little bit older. That rationalization really, really helped him. And then we talked about the practicalities of it. Would a bad guy want to just sit there, grab a ladder in the middle of this quiet neighborhood so that the entire like community can wake up and see them doing it? No, that doesn't make any sense. That's not how bad guys work. So it will be different. It'll be a different conversation for you and your child, depending on your child's core fears related to bad guys. But I'm just trying to give you an example so you can understand how I'm attacking his distorted thinking. And then I, we talked about, and you may not want to do this with your child or you may, I actually do this a lot in my practice and it can be very helpful. So sometimes I will say, do you know when the most common time is for break-ins? And kids will always say hundred percent of the time at night in the middle of the night. And I'll say, no, actually I have a lot of people who are in law enforcement in my family. And so I know statistics and it's normally during the day when people are away, whether they are on vacation or they go to work, they make sure that no one's in that house because they don't want to meet you. They just maybe want your TV or your, your stuff. You know, there's a big difference in how long I'm going to go to prison if I get your stuff versus I meet you. That's a whole different crime. And that comes with a lot more time and people don't want more time. They don't want more risk. So I have very deep conversations about this stuff, depending on the child's age so that that reduces their fear that nighttime is scary. Another thing that kids always think about is I'm going to be kidnapped. And so I start to talk about that too. Do you know how common it is for kids to be kidnapped? Well, I do because I have so many people in law enforcement in my family. And then I'll say stuff like, statistically, it is so insignificant that you are more likely to get hit by lightning, depending on their anxiety, you may not want to say that, or win the lottery. That's a little bit more optimistic. And both of those are pretty tiny, right? You're not going to think that you can get, you know, win the lottery. It's that small. And anytime you hear about a child being taken, more often than not, more often than not, it is a relative that has taken them, whether it's a dad or a mom that doesn't have custody of them. So I go into this and I explain it to some kids. You have to be careful depending on their age and their vulnerability. But these are things that I do with the kids in my practice. And it's what I do with my kids. But you have to talk to your child's therapist and get some advice from someone who knows your child. But this is what I do. 
And it really decreases their anxiety because I'm arming them with facts that it's not common at all. Now, what I'm not doing is I'm not swooping in and I'm saying no one ever breaks into houses. Um, I'm not swooping in and saying um, kidnappings don't happen. I'm not saying that because I don't want to lie to kids. I want to be realistic. I don't want them to not have trust in me. And so when you have these black and white statements like, kids are not kidnapped or, you know, bad guys don't break into houses. Kids are smart enough to go, well, that's not true. Cause I think I saw something or I heard something or my friend told me something or I watched the news and said, that doesn't help. And by the way, anxious kids just should not watch the news. There's no reason for it. It will just build up the file in their brain of all the things that are scary in the world. So I don't recommend it for kids. That's a totally different podcast. So arming them with facts that sound realistic can be more helpful. So the likelihood of that is so tiny that it's not worth worrying about. That's how I phrase a lot of anxiety themes. You know, the likelihood of this happening to you is so, so small that it probably won't happen ever in your entire lifetime of, you know, being alive for a hundred years. So we want to phrase it in that way. And then you want to come up with a new plan. So that's the part where we really move more into sleep. And you want to say when, when you, and it doesn't have to be sleep. So if it's just going into another room or going outside, when you have this fear that says a bad guy is following you or a bad guy is chasing you, what can you tell yourself instead? And so it's my classic, you know, you have a red thought, a bad thought. And then what is your green thought? The, the green thought is what kind of argues with your red thought. It's just a creative way of doing cognitive behavioral therapy. It's just getting them to visually see, I have this bad thought that makes me feel nervous. What's an alternative thought that I can replace that with? And so like for my kids, if they're going to bed and they're scared and they come out and they say, I'm scared, I will say to them, what's the green thought? And I just prompt them and we have practiced. And so they already have their green thoughts prepared and ready. And they'll say stuff like, we are all safe in this house. I know I am safe in this house. The doors are locked. Nobody can reach my window. But what they're not saying is you're right here to keep me safe or you'll check on me. None of those things because those are not helpful green thoughts. They're saying we are all safe in this house. So what are your kids' green thoughts? What can they be? We don't want to spoon feed it to them. We want them to be able to spontaneously come up with their own green thoughts over time. But some kids need a little help in the beginning So it's okay to work on it with your child and develop some of those alternative thoughts and then coach them to say it to themselves as they build up some momentum. And the last thing I would say is do challenges. I always end with challenges for any issue and this one is no different. So once you have figured out what their core fear is and you've figured out the the minute details of what is their their story that they're telling themselves about what this bad guy can do or how he'll do it. Then you move into reframing their thoughts. And so we're, we're reframing their cognitive distortions, right? So we're, I'm disproving some of these, uh, these theories. Can somebody actually come through the chimney? You know, can people actually plunger their way up the wall? Is that realistic? Let's test it out. Nope, that's not real. So what are some green thoughts you can have? right? So we're doing all that. And then at the end, we want to challenge it. So you can do behavior modification type of things where you give tickets out and tickets earn prizes for leaning into their fears. So if my child is afraid to go upstairs, 
to go grab his shoes because he's afraid there's a bad guy hiding upstairs, then I would say you could take a challenge and then it has to be their opinion, their idea. They can't, they can't be forced to take a challenge. Otherwise it kind of defeats the purpose. And so, but we want to motivate them. So we don't want to pick challenges that are so ridiculously too hard and overwhelming that they're going to always say no. You just want to find a challenge that's just a little bit out of their comfort zone. So I might say, do you want to take a challenge? And let's say my son says, yes, I, can, I want to earn a ticket. So I say, just go upstairs and grab your shoes. Tell yourself your green thoughts and you are not allowed to run. Because if you have a child who runs upstairs, grabs their shoes, runs back downstairs, and then you give them a ticket, all they've done is reconfirmed to their, to their brain that they just dodged a bullet. Good thing I was faster than the bad guy. He was about to come out of the closet, but good thing I ran faster than him. And that does not do anything to reframe and retrain our brain. So I always tell my kids, go slow and tell yourself green thoughts. If I hear you running, then you're not telling yourself green thoughts and you're high-fiving your worry cloud because you're basically telling your worry cloud there's a reason to set off that false alarm. And we're trying to retrain your brain. And if you run, you're not retraining your brain. You're agreeing with your brain that there is a danger because your legs are responding. So let's slow it down and take it down a notch. And that, that's really tricky. I mean, that's really tricky because you're basically sitting in that discomfort for a little bit longer because you're not running. And then you give them a ticket, you know, and, and you keep doing that over and over again. And that's just great exposure therapy. And that can really, really help. So this is a nice big overview of bad guys, but um, maybe I can go in more detail on particular topics in the future if you want me to. But I hope that you found that helpful, just an idea of where to head and what not to do when your child is afraid of bad guys. So I hope that you're enjoying my podcast. I appreciate you listening and staying with me all the time. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you can hit a star on iTunes to show your gratitude, I really appreciate that. And if you have a few extra seconds, if you can leave a review and let other parents know what you value about the show, that is super awesome. And to show my gratitude for people who do that, I always like to end my show reading one of them. So AFJMJ said, at 30 years old, I finally understand myself. I can't thank you enough for the education I've gotten in the last five hours. My wife and I are on the way home from the beach and we have binge listened and also bought one of your online classes. Our daughter has had bad thoughts for a little while and then this week had an episode after her first day of school. We can't wait to get home and let you help us. Well, I appreciate that. I hope you found the class helpful. And if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Hi, I'm a mom of a daughter with OCD. I live in South Africa. Um, and it's a country that doesn't have a lot of resources for children's mental health and specifically OCD. I really was at my wit's end on how I'm going to support my child, how I'm going to do ERP, how I'm just basically going to, to parent a daughter with OCD in a country that has little to no resources. And at times it got just debilitating for us as a family and I was super lonely, um, people weren't listening, I didn't have any support. The AT community has been an absolute lifesaver. Natasha has been instrumental in the past few months in helping us set up ERP challenges, going through them step by step, 
being supportive each and every step of the way. Joining the AT parenting community has been one of the best things I could have done for me and my family. Uh, Natasha has built this community and it is exceptional. I've learned so much. The support is fantastic. It's, it's just been life-changing for my daughter. Um, it's so nice to be able to ask her live questions in office hours. She's there, she responds. Uh, her live videos every week where she asks us what we need her to talk about. Uh, also her forums, again, where you can ask questions. She's on there all the time. She is very present. The resources she has had provided, the worksheets, uh, there are so many things in this AT parenting community that are beneficial. Natasha gives you so much of her time and her expertise. She's there to answer your questions, so it's such a personal way of getting help and support when it's much needed. Personally, the community has helped me because I feel like I needed my support. And then you have the added bonus of this fantastic community of parents who are going through such similar things and suddenly you're empowered and have ways of accessing help and making a real difference to your family. And also just the support of all the other moms and dads. It's really good, you know? We laugh together, we cry together, we fail together, we succeed together, um, and, and everybody gets it. Everybody gets it, and it's such a nice community to be with, and I hope you join us. You won't be disappointed. Try it out. To learn more about how you can become a member of the AT Parenting Community, go to atparentingcommunity.com. Thank you.